Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? What well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up? Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. I hope everybody's doing fantastic. Shalom, wassalam alaikum, konnichiwa, namaste, good morning, good abend, bonjour, bonsoir, que pasa, all those things, man. I really mean that, um, especially after the past week that I've been through. Um, I got to tell you exactly why I didn't do my podcast uh, last week. So before I get into the Super Bowl, before I start giving my thoughts and feelings about Kansas City winning the Super Bowl, what does it mean for them to win the Super Bowl, a recap of the Super Bowl, what does this victory mean for Patrick Mahomes? The legend of Patrick Mahomes. What does this loss mean for the Philadelphia Eagles? What does this play of Jalen Hurts mean for his future? All of those things I'm going to get into and speaking about in the last segment of the podcast. My thoughts and opinions about the NBA trade deadline and the whole Kyrie Irving wanting to be traded. Kevin Durant wants to be traded. They get traded. Kyrie to Dallas, KD to Phoenix, what did that mean for the Suns, what did that mean for the Mavericks, what did that mean for the Brooklyn Nets moving forward, what does it mean about trying to assemble a super team, what does it mean for the legacy of the Brooklyn Nets that this epic failure happened. Before I get into all of those things on my podcast today, again, I have to explain why exactly I didn't do my podcast last week. Now, as those know, I always record my podcast on a Tuesday, and I was going to record my podcast on a Tuesday, but the night before, my mom's got sick back in D.C., back in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I'm out here living in Las Vegas, so my mom got sick. She was taken to the hospital on Monday, and it was a situation where things were kind of like looked okay, this, that, and the other, but we can't be too sure. You never know what's going to happen. She's 88 years old, so, you know, you never know. But, uh, you know, when when she came in on Monday um, to the emergency room, it was a situation where it was kind of like, okay, you know, glass half full type of deal. On Tuesday, man, my cousin, who is a doctor, who has been watching her like a hawk and watching the uh, hospital folks like a hawk and making sure they do the right thing, she she calls me on a Tuesday morning and she's like, hey, you know, things are a lot worse than they thought they were going to be and mom's is going in for surgery and it's going to be serious surgery. And my mom was 88 years old and my mom was suffering from some physical ailments. So it was a situation where it was kind of like, look, this ain't looking good. This really is not looking good, and she's looking a lot worse. Her white blood count is really low. So this is a situation where she might not make it. 
she might not make it through the surgery. So uh, I just want you to be prepared for that. And she told me all of this when I was going to work. And so at work, I'm just a basket case, man. At work, I'm just trying to pretend everything is all right and everything's cool and nothing really important is going on in my life. And meanwhile, I'm just in my mind just thinking about, you know, I'm I'm already sort of kind of writing a eulogy, right? I'm, I'm already sort of kind of trying to get my mind, my my state of mind into that place to where when I hear the news, it's like, man, you know, I, I have to be strong. I have to do this. I have to do that. So I have to, in a way, just like when I did when my dad died, my dad died in 90. So it was a situation where, look, he lived to be 90 years old. He really didn't suffer too much. He got uh, sick. He went into the hospital. A few days later, he was gone. But he lived the full life, this, that, and the other. So when I gave my eulogy at my dad's funeral, I was speaking about, hey, man, while we're all sad and we're all you know upset that my dad has died i mean this this funeral really is should be a celebration it should be should be, it should be a celebration of his life because the man lived to be 90 years old and he lived the life the way he wanted to live life right up to the last few moments of his life he didn't suffer any lingering pain he wasn't in some type of disability he wasn't in a home i mean sure he had the physical ailments and stuff but my dad lived life my dad loved his life until the last few days of his life when he was in the hospital and passed away when he was 90 years old man if anybody can say that there's a life that's going to be better on the way that you can go out Tell me, because I can't think of any. So my dad was extremely blessed to uh, move on from the world that we live in right now the way that he did. And that's how I presented it at my at the at his funeral. So I was trying to um, put the same type of mentality. I was trying to put the same type of philosophy with my mom. You know, my mom lived 89 years, and my mom almost lived 88 years, and she was a God-fearing woman who was into politics, and she was a teacher for a long time, and she had so many people that loved her, and she had so many people of high regard, and where she started in South Carolina in the 30s, where, you know, it was a situation where, you know, segregated, unequal, this, that, and the other, and she overcame all that to become such a success, successful person in life, and received such accolades, and, you know, now she's in heaven, and she's reunited with my dad who they were together for 52 years so they're back she's back with the man of her of her life for eternity she's with her brothers and sisters she's with her parents no more pain no more this no more that I had that all down man I had that all down and it was like I was just trying to wrap my mind into that mindset so when I got the news I wouldn't just fall apart so I was at work I got the news, I got the uh, telephone call in the afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, and I was like, okay, man, this is it, man, this is it, this is it, get ready, so my cousin was on the phone, and she said, Wendell, she made it through, she's gonna be alright, in terms of she ain't dying, yet, now there was some still some, some, some dark days, she wasn't completely out of the woods, and now she still ain't out the woods, but um, she's on the right path to get out of those woods. There might be some setbacks. There might be some roadblocks for her to get out of the woods. But there is now a path for her to get out of the woods, which means my mom is going to live. My mom is going to live. And so Tuesday when I found that out, man, it was just like, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Thank you so doggone much, man. And even for the first couple of days where it was kind of teetering. Yeah, she was out of surgery, but still. I mean, we have to watch her like a hawk. She's 88 years old, this, that, and the other. So, I mean, celebration, not yet. 
I mean, thankful, praise Jesus, the fact that she got out of the surgery, that she didn't die on the table, that the doctors didn't zip her back up after they, uh, after they uh, went in there and saw there was nothing that they could do. You know, it wasn't nearly as bad as they thought it was. It was a miracle, the fact that uh, what happened to her in terms of uh, she made it through. It was a miracle. My cousin didn't even, didn't even tell me that. My, mom, my, my cousin was just like, hey, man, just go ahead and pray. So she was even trying to keep me away from the worst of the worst. She didn't even tell me the whole thing, thank goodness, to say that, hey, man, because if she would have told me Tuesday morning that, you know what, hey, your mom's going into surgery and it's going to take a miracle for her to uh, make it through, I don't know if I would have made it through the first part of my work job, man. I'm going to tell you that right now. It was hard enough to uh, keep it together just by the fact that, hey, go ahead and pray. It's not going to be looking good, so we're going to need all your prayers. We're going to need this, that, the other. So it was just like, hey, man, you know, if the Lord wants her to, if the Lord is telling her to come on home and, you know, maybe my dad was talking to the Lord saying, I miss, I miss my, my wife enough, bring her, bring her back on up here and her brothers and her sisters and her parents and everything. I was ready, man. I was ready for that. My mentality was right there for that. But the fact that she made it through and the fact that now she still has the, like I said, she's not out of the woods yet. But the fact that uh, she is going to uh, make it out of the worst of the worst, I'm going back there next week to uh, see her and such. Man, thank Jesus, boy, I tell you. So it's, it's like a situation, man. It's like I, I couldn't do my podcast because up until like Thursday or Friday, I was still like sleepless nights and just just worried about moms, man, thinking about moms, this, that, and the other. So, um, you know, she's improving. So now I feel I'm in a good place to uh, go ahead and start uh, doing my podcast again, at least uh, for this week. But man, hey, f- fellas, ladies, guys, gals, kids, adults, whatever, man. Whew, man, tell your parents that you love them, man. Call your mom and dad and just say what's going on. I love you, this, that, and the other, man. Just get in contact with them, say something, man. Or at the very least, I mean, just appreciate just appreciate them, man. If they deserve that love, give them love. I know all parents ain't ain't fit to be loved. I know there's some. I know there's there's two sets of uh, people. There's those who give birth to children to their children, and that's about it. And then there are that are loving parents, mom, dad, this, that, and the other. For those, give them love, man, because, man, you never know. You you never know. Because I was asking, I was like, is there anything that could have prevented what happened to my mom? And my cousin was like, nope. That's just age, man. That is just age. That's what happens when you're when you're elderly. That's what happens when you're of that advanced age. It just happens. So it was like a new lease on life for me. It was really like a new lease on life for me just to enjoy life, man, and just to uh, hear my mom's voice again while it was weak, while it was frail. It was just like heaven, man. It was just like it was just like Anita Baker, Aretha Franklin, Mary J. Blige, Stevie Wonder, Levi Stubbs, Otis Redding, all rolled into one time a mil- times a million in terms of the beauty, in terms of the grace. Throw in Anita Baker also. Throw in Whitney Houston also. It was just unbelievable to hear her voice, man. When um, I thought the outcome was going to be death, and I was thinking to myself, got to buy myself a suit. Got to buy myself a new suit. And I got to go back home. And I got to be speaking about the funeral arrangements and the burial arrangements and getting my dad's urn and putting it in the grave with my mom because that's what my mom's request was. My dad was cremated. His remains are still with my mom. And my mom's like, hey, man, when I go, you put 
my dad's remains in that coffin with me. So it's, whew, it's something else, man. You never know how much you love your parents. You never know how much you love your moms. You never know how much they mean to you. You never, ever, ever, ever know until you think that they're gone. And here I am, 53 years old, man. My mom's 88 years old. You know how blessed I am to have my dad until I was in my uh, late 40s or 50. Or yeah, I mean, until my late 40s because he died five years ago. Do you know how lucky I am that I had a relationship with my dad for that long? Do you realize how lucky I am that I still have a relationship with my mom? My mom is still around. I'm, I'm in my, I'm going on closing, closing in on my mid-50s. Do you know how blessed I am? Do you know how lucky I am? Do you know how fortunate I am? Woo, to, um, Tuesday, last Tuesday was a reminder to me of how blessed I was. Because 2022 sucked. 2022 2022 was horrible. Especially the last four months of the year. It was terrible for me. I gotta admit, I ain't gonna lie. And I really wasn't looking to see what 2023 was gonna unveil. Because outside of giving myself the job that I have right now, everything else, the last part of 2022, really wasn't that good. So uh, I was thinking to myself, man, 2023, what's gonna be happening? And when moms got ill and when moms got sick and when moms went to surgery I was like all right you know I when you're 88 when your mom's is 88 and she's been having health problems and such you know it's not a surprise it's not a shock but uh you 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 just can't you just can't get used to it man you can't uh, wrap your mind around that mom's is going to be gone and I don't got any blood brothers or sisters? I have one brother, but he's, you know, but, uh, you know, so it was like, it was just me and moms, and that's it. And when she's gone, it's just me as far as a Wallace is concerned. And, uh, whoo, that was, that was something else. But thank Jesus that, uh, my mom has made it. Um, she's walking out of the wilderness. Hopefully there won't be any, any other obstacles of real mitigating circumstances that will keep her in the woods. If the Lord is going to take her, the Lord's going to take her. I appreciate to all my friends the prayers and all this type of stuff. But if the Lord says, look, 88 years is long enough. She's done enough. It's time for her to come back home. If that's what the Lord's want, if that is what the Lord wants, I don't want anybody's praying for my mom to uh, survive because I'm like, Lord, I'm going to put it in your hands. So if it's time for her to go, it's time for her to go. It's time for her to uh, rest in paradise and be with my dad again and the family members and all that. Then it's time. Because she has definitely done enough on this earth. And my mom can't get through the pearly gates. Jesus, I don't know who is. So, um, yeah, so if there's a heaven up there, man, you know, it was like, take her. She deserves it. She's ready and this, that, and the other. But when I found out that wasn't happening, all that stuff threw away. All that stuff went out the window. It's like uh, my dad and my my uncle and my aunts and my grandparents, they can wait. They can wait just a little bit longer. I still want my moms with me. So love your moms. Love you much. Uh, and again, fellas. And again, ladies. And again, kids. And again, adults. Hey, man, just, just be thankful. Just be grateful that you can spend a day with your mom, that you can spend a day with your parents, that you can go ahead and talk to your mom, that you know that your mom's is still living, man. Because no matter what we go through on this earth, for the most part, Nobody's going to be in your corner like your mom, not your kids, not your wife, not your husband, not your nieces, not your nephews, not your aunts, not your uncles, not your grandparents, not nothing, man. That 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 love that mothers have for their sons, man, is something else. And it, this past week, it gave me time to uh, genuflect that 
th- those thoughts and feelings. And uh, I'm grateful. I'm very, very grateful that I still have her around. So I, I want to thank you so much for letting me uh, get that off my chest. I'll always love my mama because, woo, like the intruder said, she's my favorite girl. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. Bonjour, bonsoir, que passe, shalom, good morning, good abend, wassalam alaikum, konnichiwa, all of them good things, baby. Speaking about what is going on in the world of sports, again, thank you so much for letting me get that off my chat in terms of speaking about moms and uh, take heed to what I'm saying in terms of, hey man, love your moms. All, you need to tell moms that more often. Love you, love you, love you, because you never know. When the next time might be the last time because ooh, I came real close to finding that out and I did not did not like it at all. All right, so Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Um, some things that I want to discuss today. Yes, the Super Bowl is over, and now the end of the season of the football season is over. My first question to you: What you gonna do now? <laughs> right. My football season's over. What you gonna do now on Sundays? What you gonna do with your money now that you're not gonna be pulling it on parlays? What you gonna be doing now that you're not researching for uh, next week's uh, fantasy football players and stuff? What are you gonna do now that the football season is over? Hey man, it is now February. The season does not start for another seven months. You have almost, what, 20-something Sundays left. Before the football season begins, what are you going to do with them Sundays, man? You're going to go to church. You're going to go for a hike. You're going to hang with your with, with your parents. You're going to go, you know, do some exercising. You're just going to relax. You're you're going to watch some NBA. You're going to watch some college basketball. You're going to watch some baseball. What, what you're going to go on vacation? What are you going to do without the NFL? Man, that's a long time. But I've always said this, man. I've always said this. Um, woo! When the season is over, I'm drenched. I'm done. I've had it. I'm kaput. When it comes to the NFL, I need a break. I need a break from the routine. I need a break from the games. I need a break from the study. I need a break from the obsession. I need a break from just having my weekends or my Sundays just centered around football. I need a break. I want to really concentrate on the love of my life, the NBA. I want to get into some other things. I want to go out on Sundays and exercise. I want to go out and, and have some breakfast. I want to go out and play my MetaQuest. I want to go out and play Thrill of the Fight or go and stay in and play Thrill of the Fight on my MetaQuest and try to get into some better shape. I want to do some other things other than be so focused and concentrated on football from the time that I wake up 
on a Sunday till the time that I go to bed on a Sunday night and on Mondays putting it together my show together and thinking about storylines and thinking about angles and doing the research and doing the readings and doing the highlights and listening to other football podcasts so I can pick up some things and all of that stuff my, my, my entire entity of living just focused around the NFL I'm so glad that it's over so from the first game to the last game to the Super Bowl I'm fully invested in the NFL knowing that I have paced myself to when I've crossed the finish line as far as my NFL situation is concerned, the, the, the Super Bowl, I'm drenched, I'm drained, I'm done. Now, of course, the NFL is always going to give us some things to speak about. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to make sure that our NFL offseason is not going to be boring. Of course, Lamar Jackson is going to make sure that our NFL season offseason is not irrelevant and silent. Of course, we have NFL free agency. Of course, we have the NFL draft. But OTAs and all this other stuff, I'm not going to get into, man. I'll get into some head coaches being hired. I'll get into uh, the quarterback situation with quarterbacks of, of renowned. I'll get into that in the offseason. But I, I'm, I'm not in July. I'm not going to in April. I'm not going to in, in, in May. I'm not going to be going right after the draft or right after free agency, sit there and talk about, okay, so uh, let me, let, who's going to win the AFC, who's going to win the AFC West now? I'm, I'm not going to talk about, hey, Aaron Rodgers is now with the New York Jets. What do you think? What do you think the records are going to be? Do you think the Jets are now Super Bowl contenders? Do you think that they'll win 12 games? What do you think? I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. To me, it's just, it's just think of something else. You know, run your jollies on something else. You know, I'll go ahead and I'll watch the happenings of the NFL. But investing my time and investing my energy, especially now when you have the NBA season and when those discussions are going to be talked about the end of the NBA season and the start of the NBA playoffs in March Madness, even though I'm paying no attention to college basketball right now because my Georgetown Hoyas are 6-21 and and it pains me to no end physically and mentally, knowing that Georgetown is irrelevant, knowing that Georgetown is inept, knowing that Georgetown is incompetent, knowing that Georgetown is a joke, knowing that John Thompson right now is up in heaven shaking his head saying, Patrick, really? Really? 6-21, and 21, really? They're, in, they're irrelevant. They're an embarrassment. So yeah, it's affected my watching college basketball. But somehow, some way, I'm going to uh, get through this and uh, be ready to discuss uh, March Madness. So all of those things, and all, all of those things, we still have UFC that I want to talk about, even though I missed the uh, Volkanovski fight, which I should have gone to, but like I said, Moms was on my mind, so um, I'll watch that fight a little bit later, um, Volk- the Volkanovski fight down there in Perth. But uh, yeah, there's just too many other things for me to be speaking about, to be for me to be talking about, other than me just going on and on about the offseason in terms of uh, what is going to be the over-under in terms of wins for the Indianapolis Colts. Can't do it, won't do it, will not do it. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, with all of that being said, let me tackle, how you like that, huh? Let me tackle 
the Super Bowl. Kansas City wins their second Super Bowl in four years, five years, excuse me, beating Philadelphia 38-35. Harrison Buckner, this guy always is good for one thing, missing a field goal during the game, kicking a game-winning field goal at the end of the game. Um, kicked a 26-yard field goal with 11 seconds left for the victory. Kansas City came back after being down 24-14 at halftime and being thoroughly outplayed. How outplayed were they, Wendell? I'm glad you asked. Philadelphia ran 44 plays compared to Kansas City 20. The Eagles had almost 22 minutes of ball controlled compared to 8 minutes for Kansas City. Hertz had thrown almost 200 yard passing compared to Patrick Mahomes, who was throwing for less than 100. He was at 89. And then in the second half, Kansas City said, man, screw this. They scored touchdowns on each of their first three possessions. They outscored Philadelphia 24-11 and became the unstoppable force that they were on offense. Here's the deal, because when the halftime came about and we saw Mahomes limping because he had just tweaked that injured high ankle sprain that he suffered against Jacksonville, and he was hobbling off the field. And the last offensive possession for Kansas City of the first half was a very feeble um, uh, possession. And Philadelphia came in there charged up. I said to myself, man, at 24-14, look, I don't know what the 30-minute halftime show with Rihanna was going to be about in terms of what impact it would have. But I know one thing, as I thought as the um, guys were running off the field for halftime. I said to myself, man, if Kansas City doesn't do something, i.e. score a touchdown, they're going to get the ball back first for the start of the second quarter. If those guys don't score a touchdown, this game is over. And I'm talking about the competitive nature of this game. It's going to be over. Because I'm thinking to myself, if Kansas City gets this ball and they don't score a touchdown, let alone go three and out, I think they punt it to Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia goes for the kill. I think Philadelphia scored the touchdown. I think Philadelphia goes up 31-14. And I think this game is going to be subsequently over. That was my thinking going into the halftime. This was going to be sort of a repeat of what Kansas City went through when they played Tampa Bay in terms of the competitive level of the game where you knew early on in the second half that uh, this was not going to be Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City's day against the Buccaneers. I thought that if Kansas City didn't do something in the second half to start the second half, I thought the game would be over. So what happens? Kansas City said, okay, let's go ahead and do this. Um, Started the third quarter, Kansas City marched down the field, 10 plays, 75-yard touchdown drive. Mahomes completed all three of his passes on the drive for 26 yards, added a 14-yard scramble. Kansas City then scored again on all four of their second-half possessions, opening with three consecutive touchdowns before capping off the game with a field goal to win the Super Bowl. Here's how important I thought that drive was for uh, Kansas City. If you just remember the first time or the first half stats that I just mentioned, and with Philadelphia's dominance, 44 plays compared to 20 for Kansas City. Philadelphia holding on to the football for almost 22 minutes compared to almost 8 minutes for Kansas City. Jalen Hurts clearly in the first half outplaying Patrick Mahomes. I was shocked at the game plan for Philadelphia, how they had Hurts throw the ball so many times. But that offensive line was so dominant that Hurts had so much time 
to throw the football and complete uh, the passes, and he was on fire, and he was in such a good rhythm that, uh, you know, he was reading the defense as well. When Kansas City would blitz and such, he would pick it up. He would locate the correct receiver. He would locate the uh, correct target. I mean, there was nothing that Kansas City was doing that could stop them in the first half. If it wasn't for that fumble by Hertz that was scooped up by uh, Kansas City and ran in for a touchdown, the game would have been, been even more lopsided. But through all of that domination, through all of that one-sidedness, through all of that thorough beatdown that was delivered by the Philadelphia Eagles, it was still 24-14. They were still in shouting distance speaking about Philadelphia. So when Philadelphia allowed Kansas City to go down and score that touchdown, it was like the fact that, damn, despite everything that we saw, despite the fact that you weren't keeping tabs on the score, that you would clearly know that the Eagles were dominating Kansas City. The fact now Kansas City goes 75 yards, 10th play, score a touchdown, and now all of a sudden it's a one-possession game? After everything that went down, after everything of the dominance, it gave Kansas City life, it gave Kansas City momentum, it gave Kansas City belief. Look, I know in the, <clears throat> I know in the uh, locker room at halftime, Kansas City, the players and everything in the post-game shows and such, they were speaking about, yeah, we told each other, we challenged each other, we knew that we didn't play well, and we knew that we had to get had to get better to a man, we looked at each other, and we said, we gotta get it done, da, 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 da. look, man, I'm quite sure all that happened, and I'm quite sure in their hearts and sincerity, sincerity they were 100%, but man, it's kind of hard to keep that belief, man, it's kind of hard to keep that mentality, man, it's kind of hard to keep that ferocity, man, it's kind of hard to believe in those words, if Philadelphia comes out, stops them on the first offensive possession of the second half of Kansas City, then takes the ball down and scores a touchdown, it's hard to keep believing, because then, I'm sorry, man, even with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, there's some doubt that's got to be setting in to say 31-14, fellas. I don't know about this. I don't know about this because even if we score, there has been no indication whatsoever that we're able to stop Philadelphia. So even if we score to make it 31-21, where is the evidence that shows that we're going to be able to top, stop this team from scoring? So all of those scenarios played into the situation that, Phil that Philadelphia could not stop Kansas City on that first drive. And I'm quite sure with Kansas City scoring and all of a sudden Philadelphia saying, oh, Lord, Lord have mercy. Okay. All right. We, we, we know that giant. We know that monster. We know that guy named Patrick Mahomes. It, it, it's, it's almost like a situation like, like in basketball. If, if you're playing LeBron or if you're playing MJ or if you're playing Jabbar or if you're playing against uh, Kobe and they have a poor first half. Like, for instance, uh, Kobe in the first half goes 4 for 13, right? Four, 3 for 11 or 12 or something like that. And then he comes out in the third quarter and he hits th uh, two jump shots in a row. You're thinking to yourself, oh, shit, he's back. Steph Curry, right? Steph Curry goes 2 for 9 from the three-point range in the first half of a playoff game, in the first half of an NBA Finals game, right? Then he comes out in the third quarter, he hits his first two three-point shots. Oh, shit. All of a sudden now, everything that those great, legendary, all-time great players did in the first half, all of a sudden now becomes irrelevant. Because you know their pedigree. You know their greatness. You know their resume. You know that this is coming, right? 
It's almost like living in California. It's almost like living in Southern California. You know the earthquake is going to be coming. You don't know when it's going to be coming. You don't know how strong it's going to be. But you know living in California, sooner or later, an earthquake is coming, correct? It might be a couple of days, but you know sooner or later that an earthquake is going to be coming. It's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes playing football. It's like, you know Patrick Mahomes is not going to play as poorly in the second half as you did as he did in the first half. You know something like that is coming. You know an offensive explosion is coming. You know that Patrick Mahomes is going to elevate his game. How how tremendous is going to be that explosion? How hard is that impact going to be? How much better is he going to elevate his game? Can we sustain it? When Patrick Mahomes led that Kansas City football team down the field, great play calling by Eric Bieniemy. thank you so much. And they scored that touchdown. Patrick Mahomes is back biatches. Kansas City knew it. And most importantly, Philadelphia knew it. And even most importantly, Kansas City knew it in a good way. Now all of a sudden, that we can do this, and we can believe in this, and we can look each other man to man and this, that, and the other. Now we can actually put it into a fruition because now we actually have a chance. It's 24-21. And more importantly for the defense, hey, our guy Mahomes is coming. Our guy Mahomes has got his mojo. Our guys on on the on the offensive on the offensive side, I see it, man. So as a defense, what are we going to do? As a defense, how are we going to stop this? As a defense, are we going to be responsible for us losing this football game to Kansas City? Letting some second round draft pick at quarterback who couldn't even play in a championship game against uh, uh, against uh, uh, Georgia. Had to be benched for some guy named Tunga Vailoa. That guy's going to go out and beat us? When we had our guy Mahomes come out in the second half and do what he's doing? No. No. So you saw the defense elevate and play well for Kansas City. Beautiful game, man. It was a beautiful game. And it wasn't the situation that Philadelphia wilted. But just that onslaught. Again, not just with the physical, but with the mental. Both teams knowing that Mahomes was rolling, Mahomes was getting down, Mahomes was going to be a force. Goodness gracious sakes alive, they got the job done. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So Kansas City becomes the second team in NFL history to come back from a double-digit halftime deficit to win the Super Bowl. Of course, look at my next segment. I'm going to be going on and on and on about Patrick Mahomes. Y'all don't have to worry about that. Oh, and please... Save us the James Bradbury or the um, non-pass interference or pass interference call or holding call. Please stop. That didn't decide the game. No conspiracy theories. No, n- None of that. I don't want to hear that. James Bradbury said himself that, yeah, I held him. I was just hoping they wouldn't call it. Stop. I don't want to hear it. Stop. You had a chance to stop him and you didn't. You had a chance, Philadelphia, to put them away in the second half, and you didn't. You had a chance to put the nail in the coffin at the start of the second half, and you didn't. So this is not on the refs. This is not on James Bradbury. This is not on a bad call. This is not all on one call. This is the Super Bowl wasn't stained. The Super Bowl wasn't ruined. The referees didn't ruin anything. The referees, I'm quite sure, missed other calls that didn't play, that didn't have the the uh, attention or the spotlight, they missed probably a call worse in the first half than they did at the end of the at the end of the game to give 
Kansas City that first down, which essentially gave Buckner a chip shot, chip shot to win the game. Stop. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. The NFL is rigged. They told you this. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Don't want to hear it. So, <clears throat> so Kansas City again comes back, wins this game. Everybody's great. Who are we going to be talking about? Who are the stars? Hey, man, besides Patrick Mahomes, football is the team green, right? So, yeah, Mahomes was great, but, man, that offensive line for Kansas City. The one thing that I thought would be the downfall, would be the biggest advantage for Philadelphia going into this game, the Eagles' defensive line versus Kansas City's offensive line. I thought, especially with the hobbled Mahomes, I thought that they would put so much pressure on uh, Mahomes and on that offensive line that he would get swallowed under. I, I saw that game against Cincinnati and how difficult they were running the football with the running back, Isaiah Pacheco and such. I, I thought that they would make Kansas City one-dimensional, and I thought that Hassan Reddick and those guys, Hassan Reddick, would go in there and uh, create havoc. And that Kansas City team said, Wendell, basically with that type of analysis, you can suck my dick and call me Rick. And they exactly did that, man. They were dominant. They uh, were the key in the second half. That pass rush for Philadelphia, the one that set the NFL records for most sacks in a season, didn't sack an injured, hobbled Mahomes once. Got some pressures on him, but didn't sack him once. And I thought it would be a slight, slightly similar situation. Philadelphia putting pressure on Mahomes like a couple of degrees less of what Ken, well, what um, uh, Tampa Bay did with Kansas City a couple of years ago. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. I was wrong, man. I was wronger than wrong can be. Again, no sex for Mahomes. Kansas City had 158 yards rushing on 26 carries. That's six yards per carry, Holmes. That was amazing. Look, the defense uh, was, was firm in the second half. Um, they deserve a lot of credit also um, because it was a situation where, look, when you come down from 10 points or when you are uh, leading like Philadelphia did and you lose the game like they did, it's a situation where we always start with, hey, fellas, did Kansas City win this game or did Philadelphia lose it? Nah, man, Kansas City won this game. Philadelphia played well. Philadelphia played really well. And maybe in the seven-game series, maybe Philadelphia wins this series four games to two in terms of they played in a best of seven, right? If you if you were to uh, uh, create seven weeks, if you gave these guys two months to play every other Sunday or play every Sunday, and what would be the tabulation be at the end of the seven weeks that Philadelphia would probably be, be ahead five games to two, four games to three. Philadelphia is the better football team. I still think Philadelphia is the better football team. That being said, Philadelphia didn't lose this game. One guy, one team had Patrick Mahomes. The other team did not. And, and that's not to cast aspersions on Jalen Hurts, who was unbelievable, unfucking believable. Who knew this cat was going to be this good? 
Now, yes, you know the haters from Philadelphia talking about, yeah, you know, Philadelphia got lucky because they were in a weak division and conference in the NFC, and you take a look at who they played in the playoffs, the New York Giants, who had no business being there, and the San Francisco 49ers, who didn't have a quarterback to play against, so let me tell you something, man, Philadelphia attributed themselves extremely well, a young team like that, playing the way that they did. Yeah, Philadelphia showed that they're the real deal, and Jalen Hurts, give that man a bag. Give that man the bag, man. Look, if you're going to pay Deshaun Watson 230 look, just because someone's mistake is not going to uh, affect what our decision is going to be, but just from a standpoint of being a leader, from the standpoint of being a leader of men, you have one in Jalen Hurts. You have a person that someone is going to want to play for. You have a quarterback that someone is going to want to follow. And you have a guy now at the quarterback position who seems to be a guy that can win himself a championship. If he is he's at the level on a consistent basis of Patrick Mahomes, no, he hasn't been in the league long enough to validate that type of greatness or to validate that type of sustainability of being great for him to repeat the season and have the impact that he did this year. But man, come on now, in a division in the NFC, in a conference in the NFC that really doesn't have any dominant um, quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, give that man the bag. Give that man the money that he deserves. I know that you've got him under a, another year or something like that with a second round pick so you can go ahead and you can try one more time because you're not going to be paying uh, an exorbitant amount of the salary cap to one guy or an exorbitant percentage of the salary cap is not going to one guy. But man, pay him. Pay him. Do you pay him Joe Mur- Burrow type money? Do you pay him Deshaun Watson type money? Do you pay him Lamar Jackson type money? Do you pay him um, Josh Allen type money? In terms of what we're going to be projecting Lamar Allen is going to get and what Joe Burrow is going to project. If you're speaking about Burrow, if, if Burrow is going to be paid somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 million annually per year, and you're thinking Lamar is going to be either somewhere between 45 and 50, where does you where do you put Jalen Hurts? Where do you put Jalen Hurts? Because right now, D- Dak Prescott is making 40. Jalen Hurts, as of right now, has shown that he is a better quarterback, at least with the system that he's playing in right now, than Jaylen, than uh, uh, Dak Prescott. So, so how do you pay this man? Where do you pay this man? What do you pay this man on? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, if, if you think that he is a quarterback of shit, $35 million per year, just based on skill, right? Well, he doesn't have that cannon like a Josh Allen, or he doesn't have the, the Patrick Mahomes. He's not one of those guys. And let's just say from a pure quarterbacking uh, standpoint that Jalen Hurts is a guy of a quarterbacking talent is somewhere around $35, $38 million, right? Maybe he's better than Daniel Jones. Maybe he's along the same line as Dak Prescott. So anywhere between 38 and $42 million just based on um, quarterbacking skills alone. Man, his intangibles, his leadership, his work ethic, what he means to the community, how he presents himself, how he uh, represents the organization and the city, that right there, 
I think it's worth anywhere between 10 and $15 million added on to his contract. Because here's a guy who you know you're not going to have to worry about. You, you know from everything that you've seen that Jalen Hurts is not going to pull an Aaron Rodgers and go public and talk about, yeah, I want to be traded or I don't know. You, 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 you know based on what you've seen from Jalen Hurts that he's not going to go on a podcast and talk about what's going on and throw teammates under the bus, even though if he wants to. He can always go on Wendell's World of Sports and say all those things. I'll gladly have him on. But you know that he's not going to do those things. You, you know that he's not going to be running around sexually assaulting um, massage therapists. You, you, you know that he's not going to be doing anything stupid in terms of uh, sexual assault or, or getting himself in trouble with the law. From, from what we've seen. Now, I don't know Jalen Hurts personally. I've never been around Jalen Hurts. I don't know what Jalen Hurts is doing right now. I can only go by what I see from a, uh, from a, uh, on, on television interviews and such. So I don't know the man intimately. For, but from what I've seen of him, I am going to go on the assumption that yet yeah, Jalen Hurts is not going to be one of these guys that's going to act like a jackass. Jalen Hurts is not going to be one of these guys that's going to embarrass the uh, organization. Jalen Hurts is not going to be a guy who's going to act unprofessional. From my, from what we've seen and from what I know of Jalen Hurts, that's what I'm going to assume. That's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. So based on that, based on what I've saw, based on what I've read, based on what I've uh, read from teammates and other people who know him speaking about him. Intangibles, leadership, just his, uh, just his person, his persona, his charisma, his chi, his it factor, all of those things, he's worth the bag. He's worth a big bag. And if his play continues to evolve like he's evolving right now, man, we speak about Josh Allen, we speak about Joe Burrow being those greats in terms of the game today and what their potential could be. We speak about the potential of a Justin Herbert. We speak about the potential of a Trevor Lawrence and all those speaks and all those thoughts and all those opinions and all those platitudes and all of those barbershop conversations or water cooler conversations and 15 minute breaks at work conversations are legit. But man, you better throw in Jalen Hurts in that conversation also when you're speaking about the elites of the elites of the quarterbacks in the next three, four to five years. Jalen Hurts earned it. And for the uh, Philadelphia move, Philadelphia Eagles moving forward, yeah, they've got some um, decisions to make as far as the uh, free agency is concerned. But there's no reason why this team should not be formidable and be the large favorites going into not just this next upcoming NFL season in 2023, but also for 24 and 25. Because we, we, we still don't know What's going to be happening with the uh, San Francisco 49ers? We, we don't know if it's going to be Brock Purdy. We don't know if it's going to be Trey Lance. We don't know. And they spend a lot of capital in terms of the 49ers going up to get Trey Lance. So with the Kyle, Kyle Shanahan system, this is not something where you can get yourself a David Carr and all of a sudden your, your, your problems are fixed. And now San Francisco has leapfrogged Philadelphia in that regard. We don't know about Minnesota with Kirk Cousins as quarterback and some of the other problems that they had on defense. We, we don't know if the Giants were just a one-hit wonder because we don't know if Daniel Jones is a sustainable quarterback that can lead a team to championships and lead a team to the promised land or lead a team along with Saquon Barkley. We don't know. We, we don't know. We have no idea. So as for right now, we don't know about the Dallas Cowboys. We don't know about Mike McCarthy 
calling plays on offense. We don't know about what's going to be happening to um, Dak Prescott and his continued development to be a championship quarterback. We don't know what's going to be happening with Tony Pollard after breaking his leg and now with the assumption that um, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be released. We don't know what's going to be happening with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. We, we don't know what's going to be happening in the weakest division in the NFL known as the NFC South now that Tom Brady has retired and... Uh, in uh, Tampa Bay is moving on. We we don't know who's going to be playing the quarterback for New Orleans to augment a strong defense. We don't know uh, what's going to be happening with Carolina. We don't know what's going to be happening with any of these teams. But we do know one thing, that Philadelphia is going to be good. Philadelphia is going to be strong. Philadelphia is going to be the clear leader. Philadelphia has the coach. Philadelphia has the system. And even though they lost both their offensive and defensive coordinators, I still, I still think Philadelphia have that squad that's going to be head and shoulders the best team in the NFC. So we'll see. But congratulations to the Kansas City football team. You are the world champions. And the fact that you won the championship, the Eagles didn't give it to you. The referees didn't give it to you. James Bradbury didn't give it to you. Jalen Hurts with the fumble didn't give it to you. The fact that you guys showed, showed true championship medal True championship contenders, uh, championship uh, uh, cojones with a bunch of guys who weren't around when the last time Kansas City won themselves a championship, especially when you speak about all those young bucks on defense. The fact that Kansas City got the job done, my friends, they are, well, I don't know any of you guys, you ain't my friends, you guys are just listening to my podcast, my family, no, not even that, screw y'all, but <laughs> just for a couple of folks, just joking. No, but for uh, for the most part, hey man. The Kansas City uh, football team, well-deserved, well-deserved champions. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Getting on my WHUR 96.3 FM smooth grooves. That's what I'm talking about. I want to wish everybody a very happy Valentine's Day. I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. So the music that I'm going to be playing outside of the intruders, Love My Mama, is going to be dedicated to all the Young and old lovers out there. It's never too late to love. It's never too late to find love. It's never too late to be in love. You just take it from the love doctor, Wendell Wallace. I'll point you right on the way. And as we go ahead and speak about what's happening in the world of sports, I want you to know if you're listening to this podcast and you had yourself a fabulous, fabulous 
Valentine's Day. I want you to know, young bucks. I want you to know, El fellas. I want you to know all my milfs out there, yeah, yo, that treat every day like Valentine's Day. Treat your lover like it's Valentine's Day. Your lover, your best friend. Treat them with respect. And always try to play a little Otis Redding. Play a little Donnie Hathaway. A little Freddie Jackson. Play a little Keith Sweat. Play a little Anita Baker. Play a little Mary J. Blige. Play all them beautiful tunes. And you'll be all right. And you will be all right. Wendell's World is enough of that bullshit. Wendell's World is sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Man, I keep telling I mean, that stuff. Play a little Luther, man. Play play a little, um, oh, I don't know. Play, play something, man. Play play some good stuff, man. Play some stuff from the old. Play some stuff from the new. Play some, play some Jim Croce if you want to. Every time I tried to tell you the words just came out wrong. So I have to say I love you in a song. Play it, man. Play it. Play it. Don't wait till Valentine's Day. Play it, damn it. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, uh, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. All right, enough of that bullshit. Hey, man, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes, right? The legend grows unbelievable, this, that, and the other. Patrick Mahomes, um, MVP of the Super Bowl, 21 of 27 passes for 182 yards. Three touchdowns rushed, rushed uh, six times for 44 additional yards. Each of Mahomes' touchdown passes went to different receivers, Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end of all time. I think maybe Rob Gronkowski and some others might have something to say about that, along with Ozzie Newsom, along with John Mackey, along with uh, a couple, along with Kellen Winslow, along with some others that might say, slow down, Chief. But, uh, you know, um, throw in, um, throw in um, oh my goodness, uh, I'll think of him in a second. I have his picture in my mind, but I can't think of it. Throw in... Uh, Screw it. The guy who used to play for Miami and Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, um, throwing those um, tight ends in terms of, um, oh, shit, never mind. Throwing uh, those guys as the best tight ends also. But Kelsey grabbed an 18-yard 18 yard touchdown pass, first possession of the game. He did a pretty good stanky leg. He did a good stanky leg for a white boy. Then uh, wide receivers to Darius Toney and Sky Moore found the end zone also in the second half. But, uh what you think about with Mahomes, what he did in 2022, he won the regular season MVP. He won the Super Bowl MVP. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns, led the NFL in passing yards. All in one season, only three players who have done that in a whole career did what Mahomes did in one season. Those were Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Kurt Warner. Last time I checked, three of those guys were in the Hall of Fame, and two of those guys are regarded as one of the as, as the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and one of them is regarded as one of the greatest football players of all time. So, not bad for Patrick Mahomes. I don't, I don't know what we do with this guy, man, because we are so quick to start judging in terms of Okay, he won the Super Bowl. Where does he deserve? Where does he belong on the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Whoa, can we slow down just a little bit? Look, here's what I want to say about Patrick Mahomes right now. This man has the potential to be one of the greatest football players who ever lived. He has the potential to be one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played. 
Right now, he is head and shoulders above everybody else in the NFL in terms of his importance, in terms of his greatness, of what he means to a team. I think when you take a look at the best football player on the planet, and I think you take a look at the second best football player on the planet, in terms of the totality of what he does, in terms of arm strength, in terms of responsibility, in terms of game managing, in terms of impact, all of those things. And I'm not just talking about quarterbacks. I'm just talking about football players in general. The gap, I believe, between Mahomes and the second best player in the NFL is is similar to what it must have been when Jim Brown was playing in the 60s, where he was clearly the best player in the league and in, 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 in by a lot. This has to be a situation when Jerry Rice was at his peak as the best football player of all time. This, this, this has to be the same type of situation when you take a look at these guys. Now, look, am I going to quantify the importance of Patrick Mahomes in an offensive guard or a safety or a cornerback? No, but when you're speaking about the most important position on the field, which is quarterback on a football team, and you speak about everything that he is uh, entrusted to do, and he does it so well. And I mentioned before, for those who want to sit there and talk about Josh Allen, for those who want to sit there and talk about Joe Burrow, for those who want to sit there and talk about the potential of um, of, of someone like a, uh, Justin Herbert, for those of you who want to s- speak about that stuff, Let me ask you a question. Take all of the 32 quarterbacks that have played that started in the NFL this season. Speak about the quarterbacks that have played over the last couple of years. Speak about, let's even go back 10, 15 years to when Tom Brady was still doing his thing, when Drew Brees was doing his thing, when Peyton Manning was doing his thing, and you had those great all-time great Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Let me ask you something. Which one of those quarterbacks that I just mentioned, those all-time great quarterbacks, or am I missing somebody? Well, let's go all the way back to John Elway. Let's go all the way to uh, Dan Marino. Let's go back to the 80s quarterbacks. Let's go to even Joe Montana. Is there any quarterback that comes to mind for you in your years, in your decades, however long you've been watching the NFL? Is there anybody in NFL history at the quarterback position that could have pulled off what Patrick Mahomes did when he uh, had that high ankle sprain against Jacksonville? Not just what he did in the Super Bowl, but I'm speaking about finishing off that game against Jacksonville, playing the next week against Cincinnati, and then going ahead and playing um, against the um, Eagles in the Super Bowl. When you take a look at the opponents... When you take a look at the circumstances, is there anybody that comes to mind from the quarterback position could have done just as good or better than Patrick Mahomes? Off the top of my head, I'm saying no. And I saw Joe Montana play. And I saw John Elway play. And I saw Dan Marino play. And I saw Jim Plunkett play. And I saw Roger Stallback play. And I saw Terry Bradshaw play. And I saw Fran Tarkington play. And I saw Warren Moon play. And I saw Ben Roethlisberger play. And I've seen all of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I've seen all of these guys play. And the fact that I'm naming Terry Bradshaw and uh, Roger Stallback and Fran Tarkington makes me feel old and decrepit because I remember scrambling Fran. And I remember uh, uh, Terry Terry Bradshaw watching him play in the Super Bowls against the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Los 
Angeles Rams. I remember my sixth grade elementary school's uh, a, a photo, my classroom photo, where here I am living in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, walking in and taking a picture of me wearing a number 12 jersey, which was Roger Stallback, and not getting my ass whooped because I didn't have something from Washington on. So I remember those guys. I remember watching those guys. And I mean, know the different eras of football and everything that you're going to talk about. I saw Joe Montana play. I remember vividly those guys play. And I know the game is different. And I know the game protects the quarterback. And I know that you can't treat a quarterback like a football player like you did back in the days when those all-time great football players that I've been watching for 40, 50 years. I understand that you can't treat Patrick Mahomes like you could those guys. I understand that. I get all of that. But still, again, I will say, I don't think any one of those guys could have pulled off to the same level of success or degree that Patrick Mahomes did in those games when he first had that high ankle sprain against Jacksonville, then moving on against Cincinnati, and then in the Super Bowl against maybe, arguably, the best defense in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles. Patrick Mahomes is something else. So where do we quantify? Where do we go with this? What are we talking about? What what, would you want to do with this, man? What are we going to say? Are you going to start disrespecting Tom Brady in terms of he's better than Brady? Are we going to be saying that now? Or he's on the path to be better than Brady? And I mentioned this before in my last last, uh, podcast in terms of how do we even define this? Where do we even go with this? Because, again, we're always in a rush. They have this argument in terms of, well, let's 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 see how do you he, how does he compare against Montana? How does he compare against um, Peyton Manning? Man, slow down, slow down, slow down. Let's just enjoy Patrick Mahomes in his prime right now in a league that has a bevy of really really good quarterbacks. And with that being said, when we enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes play, and we enjoy the competition. And we start to salivate when we think about the rivalries that could be happening when we think about a Kansas City versus Cincinnati, a Kansas City versus Buffalo, a Kansas City versus the Los Angeles Chargers, a Kansas City versus the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, a Kansas City versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And we think about Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence in 2029 versus Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, juicy, juicy, juicy. But let's slow our rolls, man, in terms of let's just always remember that the king of the mountain, the modern-day Michael Jordan of the NFL, the modern-day LeBron James of the NFL, The modern-day Mike Trout of the NFL, except this guy wins championships. The modern-day champion. The modern-day pound-for-pound king. The modern-day Anderson Silva. The modern-day Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal all rolled into one is Patrick Mahomes. And let's just celebrate. Let's just just enjoy what we have, um, you know, coming before us. Because we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know. We, we don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to continue at this level. Because one injury, his career could be over. We're speaking about the NFL here. If, Darwin, if DeMar Hamlin taught us, hey man, your NFL career could be here today and gone on one single play. 
And I'm not just talking about a guy who almost died. You can take a look way back, Joe Theismann, an NFL football game on Monday night when he went into that game as the starting quarterback for the NFL, still a valuable player on the Washington football team then. And then in one play, his career was over. We speak about concussions. We speak about all of these things, the injuries that could happen. And Mahomes has already missed time because of injuries throughout the first five years of his career. Man, let's just savor. Let's just enjoy every single play, every single dropback, every single move, every single pass, every single unbelievable play that he makes. And, and, and let's worry about where we're going to rank <clears throat> where we're going to rank Patrick Mahomes in terms of his greatness. Let, 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 can we can we at least wait until he's in his twelfth year or something like that? I, I I know that's about six, seven years away. And again, I know that at the in in the moment, in the heat of the moment, after what we saw, we want to sit there and say, oh, Tom Brady couldn't be doing that. Man, man, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, we're just missing Tom Brady already. The man played twenty something years. He went to ten um he went to ten Super Bowls and won seven of them. And already we're gonna be comparing that to a guy who played in the NFL for six years that started for five. Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls, went to ten Super Bowls, Mahomes has won two and been to three. Can we slow our roll just a little bit? Well, at 27, who cares? At 27, big deal. At 27, why are we talking about it? At 27, what does this mean? At 27, uh, Patrick Mahomes is more accomplished than any other football player in NFL history. So because of that, all of a sudden now you feel that you have the ability to start ranking this guy? That all of a sudden now because at the age of 27, that Patrick Mahomes has had a better career than any quarterback in NFL history. So because of that, he deserves to be in the discussion when we speak about the all-time great quarterbacks who have played this game. Shame, shame, shame on you. Do you realize one of the greatest football players of his generation, the main reason why the Dallas Cowboys are the insufferable team and their fans, do you realize the man responsible for that, along with Tom Landry, which was Roger Stallback, do you realize that he didn't start his NFL career until he was, or didn't start becoming Roger Stallback, the guy that we all know and love, until he was 27 years old because of his commitment to the Navy? Do you realize that, that when Patrick Mahomes is just lighting things up at 27, Roger Stallback just started his career, and all of a sudden now we're going to say automatically that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a better career, or Patrick Mahomes, we should put Patrick Mahomes ahead of Roger Stallback? Why? What? Based on because he did more than than uh, um, Roger Stallback did when he was uh, 27, before he got uh, to be 27? Shit, I know right now that Roger Stallback did a lot more between 27 and 37 than Patrick Mahomes did. Why? Because Patrick Mahomes hadn't reached the ages of 27 and 37 yet, and there is no guarantee that he will be. So can we just slow our roll a little bit and just say, hey, as of right now, Mahomes, this generation, this era, the what, what we're doing right now, Patrick Mahomes is the best. Boom. Patrick Mahomes is the man. Boom. Patrick Mahomes is the modern-day Michael Jordan. Boom. Patrick Mahomes is the modern-day... Shit, I don't know. Modern-day LeBron. Modern-day Kareem. Boom. Name anybody who you want to talk about as far as dominating the game. He is today's Roger Federer. Boom. And let's leave it like that. And let's wait some years and let him matriculate his career down the uh, football field of greatness before we start talking about putting him up there with the P- 
Peyton Mannings and the Roger Stallbacks and the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Mannings and the Johnny Unitas's and all of them folks in, of, of NFL history. I mean, one thing I will say, man, like all of those great players that have come before him, Mahomes is changing the game. Steph Curry has changed the game of basketball because of his shooting prowess and the fact that you don't need to be a 6'8 genetic freak. You don't need to be a guy with uber athleticism. You, you don't need to be that guy to be an all-time great. That skill and intelligence on the basketball court can carry you a long way. And you don't have to be 6'8", 250 with a 45-inch vertical and a, and a, and a, a, a Greek god of a body. That you don't have to be seven foot four and be able to put the ball on the floor, or you don't have to be seven foot two and be two hundred and ninety-five pounds and just steamroll everybody. That you can be that guy who looks just like the guy that you walk past on the street every other day and be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Steph Curry has changed the game. LeBron James has changed the game. Michael Jordan changed the game. Johnny Unitas changed the game. Brett Favre changed the game. Joe Montana changed the game. Now we have the opportunity for Patrick Mahomes, the way he plays, to change the game. Because in the evolution of man itself, there's going to be coming, there's going to be a guy, or there's going to be a kid, or there's going to be somebody, a man and a woman, are going to produce some kid who's going to have just like the God's going to say, "I'm choosing you to have an arm that's just out of this world, and I'm going to give you the ability to play football, not baseball, not basketball, not lacrosse, not tennis, not golf, but football." Now, this young lad might be coming down the pike 10 years from now. He might be coming down the pike 20 years from now. He might be coming down the pike 40 years from now. But he's coming down the pike. He might, he might not even be an itch in his father's uh, jock right now. But there's someone of a Patrick Mahomes type of talent uh, times more is going to be coming down the pike. So let the older gen let, let let our generation just kind of be in the moment right now and let have Patrick Mahomes be our guy, okay? Or that generation let Patrick Mahomes be that guy. All right? Because I'm pretty soon in 10, 15, 20 years from now that there's going to be a quarter, quarterback playing in the NFL who after 4 or 5 years people are going to be sitting there on the television shows or whatever's going to be the form of entertainment in the year 2046 sitting up there talking about, man, this guy's the greatest player of all time. He's so much better than Patrick Mahomes. And then it's going to be us to us. It's going to be up to us. The generation that saw him play just kind of say, whoa, young fella, hold on, fella. Hold on. Hold on. Number one, Patrick Mahomes was a mother and he ain't, don't, don't be disrespecting that man's name just yet by talking about some guy from your generation who has played four or five years and has done some amazing things to all of a sudden say, is he good or is he as good or better than Patrick Mahomes? You better slow your roll with that young fella. Just like those in about 10, 15 years who are going to be speaking about is Victor Wimbanyana the greatest big man who ever played and is he on the same level with LeBron? It's going to be up to us, my generation. To say, slow your roll. And I wonder if, if Wimbenyana is going to face LeBron treatment 
in terms of are we going to be the guys or or is LeBron generation going to be the keeper of the castle in terms of him being the greatest football player of all time when the younger generation who's going to grow up on Wimbanyana start talking about man this guy's the greatest basketball player of all time he's unbelievable he's great he would kill LeBron LeBron's a bitch Jordan's no good this that the other who's going to be the uh, who's going to be the keeper of the castle to tell them fellas hey man mm 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 I was there I witnessed the revolution. I witnessed uh, the performance. Keep keep LeBron and MJ's name out your mouth when you talk about is Wimbenyana going to be better than him. So the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. When Bryce Young or I don't know who else in the year 2046 or the year 2038 start talking about, man, this guy's already better than Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be up, up to us. They'd be like, no, young fella, because we'll be old and we'll be decrepit, and we'll be hurting, and we'll be all of those things, but we'll still have enough marbles in our head to say, nah, young fella, I might not know who I am half the time, but I still remember how good Patrick Mahomes was, and the brother was damn good. So, Patrick Mahomes, the legend grows, the legend continues, he's on the right path, but before we start assuming that that legend is going to grow to its fruition, to its full potential. Before we assume that, man, one step at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just one day at a time. Let's enjoy Patrick Mahomes' journey to greatness one day at a time. I believe in you and me I believe that we will be In love eternally As far as I can see You will always be the one For me Oh yes I believe in dreams again I believe that love will never end And like the river finds the sea Last segment of the podcast Last segment of the program Welcome back to Wendell's World of Sports Happy Valentine's Day to all the uh, ladies and the fellas out there Fellas Treat your treat your gals nice Ladies Treat your fellas nice Be nice Be romantic Do the right thing And I'm not talking about the Spike Lee movie either Wendell's World in Sports I'm your host Wendell Wallace So glad that you can be with us So man the NBA, the NBA. Oh, now it's time for me to talk about the NBA. It's going to be a whole lot of NBA, and there's going to be a whole lot of talk about me whining about Georgetown and can't wait, waiting, and I can't wait for the season to be over, 
And there's just going to be also some talk about what's happening in the NFL. But now taking center stage, it's almost like my honey is back. My wifey is back. My, my Halle Berry has walked back in from vacation. And now she has unpacked her things. And now she's sitting down. And now I'm going to be fixing her a nice dinner. And I'm going to be watching a little American Justice. And we're going to be watching some Netflix stuff about what some serial, serial killers did. And we're going to have ourselves a grand old good time. Halle Berry, Layla Roshan, Selma Hayek. Monica Bellucci, all of my wifeys when you speak about the NBA, the love of my life, back in the house. And now the NFL, my Jada Fire, and others are going to be taking just a little bit vacation. I got to see them on the side. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, shame on you. Um, Yeah, so um, the NBA is back. The trade deadline has come and gone. <sighs> mm, the death of a super team known as the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, boy. Well, Brooklyn, it was nice while we knew you. <laughs> Within a period of five days, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant said, get me on out of here. After demanding a trade right before the trade deadline, Kyrie Irving was traded to Dallas. The Nets traded Irving to the Mavs to uh, get Spencer Dimwitty, Dorian Finney-Smith, and future draft picks for the uh, Nets in the deal. The draft picks and Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, were the uh, key in the trade. Here's something. You, you speak about a guy with, with Kyrie Irving. Um, I don't know the man personally, so who am I to sit there and cast aspersions on the guy? But he tweeted, after he was treated, he tweeted this on a Monday, the day that he was tweeted or the day that it finally came down. Thank you, Nets World fans and supporters for the love on and off the court. I will forever be grateful I got to live up my dream I had as a kid with y'all. It will definitely be love from me and my family. S seriously? Kyrie, just don't just don't say anything. Just 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 I, I I don't think it was a very good idea to address the Brooklyn Nets fans right now. I I don't think too many Nets fans are sitting there going, hey, right back at you, Kyrie. Nothing but love for you, baby. Don't, don't don't think that really is the uh, appropriate thing to do. But hey, Kyrie's going to be do Kyrie things and then talk about you know I can do these things because because I'm a man. You know what I'm saying? My name is Kyrie Irving and and I'm a man and I'm a black man and I'm a strong proud black man and I have faced many obstacles in my life as a proud black man. Every time I walk out of my door in the morning, I walk out as a black man, knowing that as a black man in this country with the oppression, with the subject to discrimination, everything that comes against me, everything that the obstacles that are put before me because I am Kyrie Irving and then I am a black man. It makes me walk even stronger and makes me walk my head hell higher. I mean, this bullshit about, I mean, that's Kyrie Irving, right? I mean, there, there's always got to be some type of speech. There's always got to be some type of uh, story. There's got to be some type of, I want to be the next James Baldwin type of bullshit that comes out of his mouth to where it's kind of like, what are you talking about, man? Where are you going? What are you saying? What is coming out of your mouth? You know, every, 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 every time Kyrie wants to get deep with us, every time... Kyrie wants to go James Baldwin on us. And if y'all don't know who James Baldwin is, shame on you. Go Wikipedia and go YouTube and learn some things. But he, he wants to be Mr. Philosopher. He wants to be Baldwin. He wants to be King. He wants to be Malcolm. He wants to be, uh, you know, he wants to be these guys all rolled into one with some prophetic, profound, um, next level uh, philosophy type of nonsense that just leaves you shaking your head saying, what? What does that have to do with anything? So I'm quite sure someone said, you know, Kyrie, I don't think that's really a good idea to uh, tweet this to Net fans right now because 
quite frankly, I'm quite sure a whole lot of them, not all of them, but I'm quite sure a lot of them, what you did and doing it right now with your team sitting in fourth place or with their team, Brooklyn sitting in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, really don't know if that's a good idea to sit there and be like, hey, Nets fans, love you. It was real. It was real. I enjoyed every moment. Don't, don't, Don't think that's a really good idea. And Kyrie's going, hey, man, you know what? Let me tell you something right now. My heart follows me wherever I go. Being a black man in this country, I'm not going to let some of the ignorant net fans keep me down. I'm a strong black man who can think when he wants to think, profound when he wants to profound, pontificate when I want to pontificate. So I am going to unleash my thoughts and my feelings as a proud, strong black man, not fearful of anything and knowing my history and knowing what my ancestors went through through so they could give me the ability to write this tweet to the net fans because I'm Kyrie and I'm challenging and I'm channeling my James Baldwin and Malcolm and all this type of stuff. Black, proud, and strong. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, So it's like, uh, all right, man, just, just, just go ahead and make a fool of yourself. All right, fantastic. It's like, like if you if you were in love with your female, or if you're in love with some guy and he broke up with you, and then you know after he broke up, you're devastated, and he sent you a text saying, "Hey, I want you to know that uh, you know I'll always be your friend, and uh, you know I'll always think about you, and the time that we had together was something that I'll never forget." And you just want to uh, uh, text him back saying. My God, I hope you fucking die in a car crash. I mean, I mean, that's just like, that is, uh, that's Kyrie Irving. But, you know, God bless him. He's doing what he wants to do. So he was, um, he was traded to the uh, uh, Dallas Mavericks. Um, everybody's sitting there talking about, oh, my goodness, him and, um, and uh, Luca. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. Let me tell you something. And I saw them play against the Clippers a couple of, uh, uh last week on the, uh, on television. Um, I didn't see Luca was still out with the uh, with the uh, lower leg injury. Haven't had the opportunity to watch them play yet. I know that they first played over the weekend against uh, Sacramento, and then they played uh, a couple of days ago or this past uh, day against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So look, man, Dallas is going to be a fun team to watch. Him, speaking of Luca and Kyrie, they're going to be fun. They're going to be awesome to watch. The The only problem is, is it's going to kind of remind me just a tinge of the Sacramento Kings. Remember when the Sacramento Kings had White Chocolate, Jason Williams, and Paige Stojakovic, and Vladi Divac, and Chris Webber, and Mike Bibby, and yet Bobby Jackson coming off the bench. And it was a team that was just so fucking fun to watch, man. It was just awesome to watch those guys play basketball. I mean, those guys were fun. They were electric. Chris Webber being released from Washington, D.C., being released from the Washington Wizards, being traded to the uh, Wizards for uh, Mitch Richmond. And, you know, he had to repair his image because he had done some stupid things along with Jawan Howard in D.C., which sullied and destroyed a young potential squad with Washington. So he had to rebuild his reputation. He had to rebuild his career going to a Sacramento and uh, he did a great job in terms of that even though it was all fluff and no substance but it was a team that was just fun to watch but you you knew it was a team for the most part until they matured a little bit more that that you really weren't going to take as serious contenders for playoffs why because they didn't play any defense (laughs) so all of the stuff was fun to watch but it was just like a circus coming into town you know, the circus where, you know, they were the clowns in the circus. 
And what do you do with the clowns? They're there to entertain. They're there to make you laugh. What, do I amuse you? Am I a clown? No, no, I want to hear what he has to say. You know, what am I fuck? Tell me what's so fucking funny about me. That was the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they were just there to just be clowns and be amused. But they weren't taken seriously as being championship contenders. And until a few years later, that's the same thing with the Dallas Mavericks of this year. They're going to be fun to watch. And they're going to score a whole lot of points. And Luka and Kyrie are probably going to average between them anywhere between 65 and 70 points a night. But they're not better than Denver. They're not better than Golden State. They're not better than Memphis. They're not better than those teams. Why? Because who who on that team is going to play in the defense? Kyrie's not. Luka ain't. Josh Powell at the center position, he's, he's too small. I mean, Jalen Green, he doesn't have enough responsibility to be a real stopper in terms of being a defensive guy. He's, he's a good defensive player, but he, he's not going to be the answer to the problems to say, okay, we got he, he's going to be the guy that's going to replace Dorian Finney-Smith. That, that's not going to be his role. That's not going to be his ask. That's not going to be his want. He couldn't do that anyway. I mean, we're, we're, we're counting on Maxi Kleba to come on back and save the day for the Mavericks as far as defense is concerned? No. So, so, so Dallas is going to be fun to watch. No question about it. And, you know, maybe they can steal a series in the first round if they make it to a six or to a number five seed, possibly, maybe. If, if all of a sudden Luka and um, Kyrie become unconscious for, for, you know, four of the games. But they're, they're not serious contenders. They're, they're just not. So, you know, it was a nice trade. And, and here we go. Here's what's going to happen. And, and we saw this when he went to Boston. We saw this with Kyrie when he went to the Nets. He's playing for a contract. Kyrie wants that four-year, $200 million extension. He wants that Supermax contract. So here's what he's going to do. Because Kyrie Irving's not dumb. He's eclectic. He's uh, unique. But he's not dumb. He's going to be on his best behavior. He's going to be the ultimate teammate. He's going to be the guy that's going to be clapping. He's going to be the guy that's going to be on the bench clapping. He's the guy that when he's sitting on the bench and there's a timeout, he's going to run out and start giving daps to everybody as they walk off the court. He's going to be the guy that's going to be deferential. He's the guy that's going to be uplifting to everybody. He's the guy that's going to be the one. He's going to want to be the leader. And he's the guy that's going to say all the right things. That's going to be Kyrie for Dallas for the end of the year. And he's probably going to average anywhere between 30 and 32 a game or somewhere around there. He's going to be great. And everybody's going to be talking about, oh my goodness, Kyrie, this guy is awesome and he's learned his lesson and this, that, and the other. He, all, all of these things, right? It was the same way when he went to Boston. And he was praising Brad Stevens so much about how wonderful it was to be uh, playing for a coach who thinks the game similar to him and has such a mental acuity to coach the game and at such a high level and this, that, and the other. And he's going to be speaking about when he went to Brooklyn about how wonderful and what a dream it is to be playing at home and his father can see him play more often and he's going to be playing with his homeboys DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant and this is it's going to be awesome it's going to be wonderful and when they acquire James Harden and James Harden's going to be the point guard and he's just going to be the guy that's going to let Harden run the point and do his thing and everything is going to be awesome everything is going to be fantastic right but what happened sooner or later Kyrie became Kyrie. Playing with LeBron James is just so wonderful and Kevin Love and we have such an awesome team and awesome uh, talent and blah, 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 blah. All this nonsense, right? What happened? 
As soon as the Cavaliers lost to the Golden State Warriors, Kyrie's up there asking for a trade. Why? Why? Because I don't want to be playing behind LeBron James. I want my own team. I'm tired of being second fiddle. I'm tired of being disrespected because y'all think uh, LeBron is doing everything and I'm not. So get me out of here. I don't want to play for Ty Lue. I want to play for another team. This was a guy who was coming off the finals of the MVP. I mean, coming off the final, the NBA finals where they lost to uh, Golden State. And this guy up here sh- shaking everything up by talking about he wants to be traded. Then he goes to Boston and talks about, oh, yeah, I'm going to resign with Boston. I want to play. I want my name up in the Raptors and all this kind of stuff. And not even one year later, he's up there talking about, I can't wait to get out of here. And more importantly, the fans could not wait for him to get out of there. The Boston Celtics fans were sick and tired of that guy. As much as he whined, as much as he's complained. Then he goes to Brooklyn, brings over DeAndre Jordan, bringing over DeAndre Jordan, washed up, way past his prime DeAndre Jordan, brings Kevin Durant with him. He has the team hire Steve Nash as the coach, does all these things, and then talks about let, let the team lets him take off when he wants to so he can take mental rest and, and all this other stuff. Then at his post-conference, when he gets traded, talking about, well, it's glad for I'm, I'm happy to be on a team that's going to treat me with some respect. Who's going to respect my abilities and respect everything that I did for them? What? Huh? What more could the Brooklyn Nets done for you other than to stupidly give you a contract extension when basically you help run that team into the ground? This is Kyrie Irving. This is what he's going to bring. This is what he's all about as a basketball player. And if Dallas is going to be snookered, if Dallas is going to be fooled, if Dallas is going to be clowned, if Dallas is going to be tricked, if Dallas is going to be duped, in the thinking that the Kyrie Irving that's playing right now that will continue to play until the end of the season is going to be the same Kyrie Irving when he signs that contract extension, if, the, if you offer him that max contract extension, if you think that Kyrie Irving that you see now is going to be continuing to be the same guy once he, changed, once he uh, signs that contract, you are a fool or you haven't been paying attention to Kyrie Irving. Because I guarantee you, again, just like living in Southern California, right, with the earthquakes, I don't know. We haven't had an earthquake in many a days. I don't know when an earthquake is going to happen. I don't know what it's going to measure on the Richter scale. All I know is living in California, we get earthquakes. So sooner or later, we're going to get an earthquake. It's the same thing with Kyrie Irving. We, we, we don't know when Kyrie is going to go Kyrie. We don't know when he's going to obliterate another franchise. We don't know when he's going to destroy another team. We don't know when he's going to be a pain in the ass. We don't know when we can't find, we can't wait to get rid of him. We don't know when that time is going to come. But we know sooner or later, that time is going to come. And for Laker fans who think that you, you can just bring him over to L.A. and LeBron and A.D. and that structure can control him. Hell, didn't LeBron try that before? And Irving was like, get me out of here. So so what makes you think now that he's going to be able to play nice with LeBron even again? If somehow, some way, the Lakers find enough cap room or do enough to uh, maneuvering to, to get him. Stop. Just stop. Just stop with that nonsense. Uh, Kevin Durant going to uh, the Phoenix Suns. Um, had to be. Had to be. Had to be. 
Had to be. What? what Kevin Durant's going to be 34 years old. Hey, man, you owe it to him. I, I don't want to see Kevin Durant carrying the full load in Brooklyn. I want to see Kevin Durant have another opportunity to win a championship. And anywhere Kevin Durant goes, he's going to be the man. Maybe outside of Denver, maybe outside of Milwaukee, but everywhere else, it's not a situation where, hey, man, this is he's, he's going on to this team. No, 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 no. You, you, you could speak about the Phoenix Suns being Devin, Devin Booker's team until they got themselves Kevin Durant. Now, the, for the Phoenix Suns, from day one, when he suits up, when he walks on the court, hell, when he got off the plane in Phoenix and then walked into that arena, it is now Kevin Durant's team. And there ain't a goddamn thing that you can do about it or would you want to do about it. So, hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm excited. Now you have a starting lineup that's going to look for Phoenix, that's going to have Chris Paul, that's going to have uh, Devin Booker, that's going to have Torrey Craig, that's going to have Kevin Durant, and that's going to have DeAndre Ayton. And you're speaking about a bench to where it's not that depleted. Yeah, losing Mikel Bridges hurts and losing uh, Kim Johnson sucks. No question about it. But but hey, man, you got yourself a team now that still has some some um, players that you can put together and still be good. You still have those type of players moving forward. So what does this mean for Phoenix? I think this vaults them into a spot where on paper, in theory, that Phoenix should be one of the teams in the Western Conference to uh, make it out of the... Uh, to make it to the NBA Finals and be one of the teams that could challenge to win an NBA championship. Here's the problem, though, that I see about that. I think Phoenix has a three-year window to win a championship with this team. And we're speaking about, quote-unquote, the big three. And with Chris Paul, maybe you could say the big two and two and one-fourths. <laughs> but I give them three years to win a championship. I really give them two. I give them this year and next year. Because I don't think three years from now you can consider Chris Paul as being one of those guys to where they, they're, they're going to be the big three. So the way that we're thinking about the Phoenix Suns right now, they've got three years to win a championship. To win a championship. If they can win three, fantastic. If they can win two, wonderful. I don't know if they're going to win one. I think this year and I think next year are going to be their best chances to win that chip. I really do, because you take a look at Kevin Durant, you take a look at Chris Paul, you take a look at the injury history to both. I mean, how many times have we seen Chris Paul get injured in the playoffs? So when we're speaking about the quote-unquote big three of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, we're speaking about a team that, upon your assumption, are all going to be fine and relatively healthy when the playoffs start. My situation is going to be, again, just like living in California with the earthquakes, right? You know what's coming. Chris Paul in the playoffs. Take a look at his history. For the most part, you know that he's going to get injured. We, we don't know if it's going to be the first round of the playoffs. We don't know if it's going to be near the last of the NBA Finals. But you know between the start of the playoffs and the end of the playoffs for the Phoenix Suns, somewhere, somehow down the road, Chris Paul is going to get injured and Chris Paul is going to miss some games. Kevin Durant, 34 years old, who's had some histories of being injured. 
So we're all just assuming that now, since Durant and Paul are together with Devin Booker, who has also missed a significant amount of time this season because of injury, that all of a sudden now, that injury bug that had been plaguing those guys are going to go away. And I say that they're not. I say it's going to be a situation where some down, somewhere down the road that uh, in the playoff, that an injury to either one of those three is going to derail the Suns when they go up against a team as cohesive as the Denver Nuggets or a young squad, a hungry squad, even though a squad who can't win on the road like a, like a Memphis Grizzly team. I, I'm, I'm thinking about a championship medal type of team like the Golden State Warriors. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about those type of squads. I'm not thinking about the Clippers. I'm not thinking about the Timberwolves. I'm not thinking about the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I'm thinking about those three teams. They've got Phoenix. I think this is going to be a year of learning. I think this is going to be, because the, the season's already halfway over. And Durant is still out. So it's going to take them some time. I know with Harden and Kyrie and KD, it didn't take them any time at all to gel and start winning basketball games. But 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 still, I think it's going to take some time in the regular season for Phoenix and Durant and Booker and Paul to get to know each other, even though those guys have played together before on important games, being Olympic teammates, Booker and Kevin Durant most recently. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Durant was attracted to be traded to Phoenix because of his relationship that he made with Devin Booker when they were on the uh, U.S. Olympic team this last a U.S. Olympic team, and Durant also had the opportunity, again, to play on the 2016 Olympic team, I believe, with Chris Paul. So though there's some continuity there. There's some type of acknowledgement there. There is some type of uh, uh, of knowing in terms of how they play, but still being on the same team and new concept and Monty Williams and all these type of things, it's going to take them time. So I don't think that we're going to be seeing the best of the Phoenix Suns this year as constituted by the new trade with Durant, bringing them in with DeAndre Ayton. I just don't think. And DeAndre Ayton is also going to be a wild card because uh, here's a guy now who's like, hey man, you were moping, you were whining, you were complaining. Now you got yourself a team. Now you got yourself, you know, a situation where, hey, we're going to need you. We're going to need you. So so what are you going to do? How are you going to get this together? How are you going to uh, uh, coexist with Chris Paul. So all of those things are going to come into play. But I think the best chance for Phoenix to do something is going to be next year in the playoffs, not uh, this year. And, um, yeah, but I think it's great for the NBA. I think it's great for uh, Kevin Durant. Maybe a little bit later I'll talk about the – why do we have to talk about the Lakers? Why do we have to talk about the, the, a team that's uh, on the outside looking in of the playing game and speak about, ooh, Malik Beasley and DeAndre uh, and D'Angelo Russell and Mo Bamba. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. Come on, man. Really? LeBron's out again. Saw that game. Congratulations to him. Um, becoming the all-time NBA scoring champion. Passing the great superstar known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'll get into that a little bit later. I, I, You know, it was fantastic. It was wonderful. Watched that game against the uh, Thunder. But it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Only because of this. Th- th- those guys did realize that they lost at home to Oklahoma City, right? I mean, you know, in, in all of the hoopla and all of the regalia and all of the historical moments, uh, you guys lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we're not talking about a season that's, you know, in its infancy. Uh, the, the Lakers got to start winning some games. And with that outburst for LeBron to catch Jabbar, left him spent for the fourth quarter. 
and had some had had some after effects afterwards. I don't think he's played since uh, he uh, got the record. He didn't play against Milwaukee on Thursday night, this past Thursday night. He didn't play on Saturday against Golden State, and I don't think he played against Portland. So it's a situation where it's kind of like, all right, man, I'm glad that you got the record, and I'm glad it's unbelievable. It's the equivalent of uh, Hank Aaron passing um, Hank Aaron passing uh, Babe Ruth. It's the equivalent when Walter Payton passed uh, Jim Brown to become the all-time leading rusher, all those good things. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. But at what expense did this passing the record have on your team this season? Because it uh, looks like Anthony Davis has not yet returned to the form that he had before he was injured. Maybe he'll get there, maybe he won't. But um, yeah, the Lakers getting D'Angelo Russell doesn't doesn't move the needle for me, doesn't make them playoff-worthy contenders to me. It's just a situation because they're L.A., we somehow, some way have to talk about them. But, you know, as the NBA season rolls on, and I know the All-Star game is coming up, and I'll speak about that maybe, really not into... All-Star games that much, they're just entertainment value. Who made the team, who didn't make the team, I could care less. It really doesn't matter. Who got snubbed, who shouldn't have been there, it really doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I'll watch the uh, game itself because of it being basketball and because it's the NBA. But I don't watch, I haven't watched a slam dunk contest in over a decade and a half. I think the last slam dunk contest I watched was in 88 with uh, Michael Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins. I think, I think. I might have watched Vince Carter, maybe, possibly. But other than that, I don't watch the slam dunk contest. I don't watch the celebrity games. I wouldn't know a celebrity if the woman broke into my house and said, get naked and let's have some uh, sex together and you are looking good. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. I wouldn't say I would turn down the offer, but I wouldn't be like, ooh, hey, movie star or Instagram model, let's go. And do you realize how old I am? So, you know, I'm not really into that stuff and the skills competition I could care less so but uh, hey man do each its own they make good money doing that and um, you know keeps growing the game and a decent uh, amount of people like to watch so hey who cares if I don't like it that's my problem so yeah keep doing what you do in NBA and uh, do your thing alright I am out of here I am done want to uh, thank everybody for listening to the show again uh, no need to uh, give prayers to my mom as such if the Lord wants her here, he's going to keep her here. If the Lord wants her to uh, come on home, he's going to take her and come on home. Either way, um, I'm going to be good with it. And uh, I would love to have her around. But, hey, man, it's not in my hands. It's in God's hands. And I truly believe that God's plans and ideas are much better than mine. And his reasoning are much better than mine. So all I ask, Lord, if you're going to take her, just just, just, just make sure you give me the strength to uh, still believe in you and still love you and everything like that. Because when you do take her, I am going to be one sad, sad human being. So, uh, yeah, God bless you. And God bless my mom. God bless every, each and every one of you. Come on, man. Be good to each other. Treat everybody with some respect. You deserve it. All right? You know, do what we need to do. Learn from some folks. Learn from somebody. And, you know, your best friend, your your parents, your brother, your sister, Anybody who's close to you, man, just let, just let them know. Just let them know that uh, you love them, you care about them, and all that good stuff. Because uh, losing my mom, whew, that, was, that, was, that was tough. So there you go. All right? So be good to each other, love each other, learn from each other, all that good stuff. And continue to uh, have a society grow to where we can leave it for our children, to where it's full of love, peace, unity, harmony, understanding, and respect for all 
people are racist faces and places. All right. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Happy Valentine's Day. Get me out of here with the greatest of them all. The greatest of them all. The greatest love song of them all. I used to tell the kids all the time, one of these days, a fella's going to play this song for you. And when he does, you get on the phone with your father and say, Dad, he's playing Otis Redding. And Dad, he's playing Otis Redding, these arms of mine. And Dad's going to say, hold on tight. I've got the baseball bat, I've got the shotgun, and I'll be there right away. And Dad knows that he's got about 51 seconds to get there because when Otis starts saying, these arms of mine, it's over. It's over. It's over. And you don't want to lose your daughter to these arms of mine. So Dad's, you've got 51 seconds to get to wherever your daughter is and to rescue her. Because I'm telling you, when Otis starts singing and when Otis starts getting soulful, I'm telling you, it should be. It, th- this should be required for listening of of uh, those 21 and over, because that's how teenage pregnancy starts. When people scoff and hee hee ha ha, and then all of a sudden they play Otis Redding, and all of a sudden out off comes the panties, and they start making mistakes. So yeah, there we go. Otis Redding, the greatest of them all. Wendell's World in Sports. Otis, get soulful. Happy Valentine's Day. Get me out of here with the greatest of them all. Music. These arms are mine.